And once you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up to Acts 20. Going to finish up this chapter today, Lord willing, as we continue our verse-by-verse study. Such a rich chapter full of all these nuggets of ministry that Paul's sharing with the leadership of the Ephesus church. And uh, I want to put a picture up here first. One of these, just going to give you a little application of one of these these uh, principles we're going to hit today. Hey, uh, slide guy. <laughs> I can't be mean. Oh, there we go. Okay. My dear brother, Will Cancharla, where is he? He shares a love of deep fried pastries with me. So he sent this to a little group text we have with uh, our family and his. Now, as you can see, that's a hard decision to make, right? No. <laughs> You, you guys are going to kill my application if you say you can choose three. All right, let's go to the next slide, and we can see the response that my wife gave. So I was with her. It's hard to pick three. But the reason that she did this is because inherently we're born with this tendency to want to do the opposite of what we're told to do okay you guys that have raised kids you know this from the earliest age we want to do the opposite it's called sin let's just call it what it is okay we we, we're told to do something we want to do something different all right now here's the thing it doesn't work very well to just tell somebody what to do because of that reason but had Our friends said, hey, pick three donuts because what we're going to do is we're going to go buy those three that you want and we're going to bring them to you so you can enjoy them. She probably would have had a different answer, right? I mean, like if if, if somebody said, like, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bring you a bunch of donuts. Just pick the ones you want. You would be more prone to like, oh, wow, that's so awesome of you. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Because that person's showing you favor. That person is showing, they're wanting to bless you. They're, they're doing something for your benefit. So it's much easier to receive what's being said, right? And this is the same principle that God tells us in why the gospel or the good news is so easy to receive. Paul telling us in Romans that it's God's kindness that is meant to draw us to repentance. Or basically grace. When we see the good news, that's why the gospel is called the good news. That's why it's good news. Because it's God's favor in saving you from your sin that you didn't deserve, that I didn't deserve. But God, because of his love, has chosen to save us. And that is good news. And that is a message that's easy to receive. And that's why grace has to be the center of everything that we're talking to people about having to do with Jesus, okay? Even when we're talking about judgment for sin, which is a very important part of the Bible, there's a whole lot of it about judgment, grace has to be a part of that conversation because understanding the judgment is what magnifies the grace and makes it so great, right? But grace always has to be at the center of what we're talking about because that is what makes people want to receive Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Amen? 
Amen? That's what I was trying to show with that. I don't know if it came across. But now, the reason I'm, I'm pointing that out is because um, we're going to continue on in Acts 20 with these principles of ministry that Paul's sharing with the Ephesian church. Last week, we were in uh, verses 22 through 31. So today, we're going to pick it up in verse 32, where he, can, he c- continues to give us another additional four, at least four that I pointed out, principles of ministry, principles of serving Jesus this being one of them, and we'll get to that eventually. So let me pray really quick, and then we'll start going through it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much for your grace, Lord. I know that when somebody took the time to explain that to me, and I understood it, they didn't have to tell me to do anything. I wanted to know you, and I wanted to know what you said, and I wanted to do everything you said. Because I saw how much you loved me, and that you obviously only had good things in store for me, so I wanted to listen. And obey, and I wanted you to help me with that. And, and I believe my brothers and sisters here today are in that same boat. Your grace changed our lives for all eternity. And we're so thankful for it. And so because of that, we're here to hear what you have to say to us through your word. We're not here to listen to a man. We're not here just to, as fun as it is, to kind of to gather and, and talk with each other and encourage each other and, and worship you. Those things are great. They're things we know that we... we come into your presence we meet you you work through those but right now we're here to hear what the the living god who's very much alive and here in this place has to say to us through his word knowing that it's good for us and we want to be like paul says there in romans 12 we want to allow your words to renew our minds to change our thinking especially if we're wrong in some area we don't want to be conformed to this world that we see slowly being destroyed, that's led us astray so many times. We want our minds changed to be in line with what you say and is good for our lives. So may we receive your words and be further conformed or changed to be like Jesus so we leave here closer to you than when we came. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So verse 32, Paul continuing to share with the Ephesian elders, He says, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified or set apart. So Paul, knowing that his time with the believers in Ephesus is coming to an end, he commends or the idea he entrusts them to two things he mentions here, God and God's word saying that those two things were enough in themselves, just by themselves, to build them up, or the idea is keep them strong in their relationship with Jesus, and then to see them through or help them endure to the end where they would receive that eternal inheritance. Basically, everything God has promised us when we go to meet him in heaven, or he comes to get us, he's saying, God and his word is all you need. As you're going to miss me and you're going to see they're really upset that he's leaving. But he's saying, you don't need me. I've given you everything you need or I've pointed you to who you need. And it's God and his word. And those two things will keep you strong in your relationship with Jesus. And those two things will see you right through this life, right into the next. And in this, Paul gives us the 11th principle of ministry here. Or serving Jesus. And that is we have to be able to commend people to God. We have to be able to commend people 
to God. We absolutely want to be like Paul, like we looked at last week, and say that I did my best to lead you, to feed you, to protect you, to tell you everything that you needed to know so that you could know God personally and that you could follow him well, that you were equipped to do every good work that God wants. We want to be able to say that like Paul, all right? But at some point, we've also got to be able to let people go to God and say, they're all yours, because ultimately they are. Because first, you're not going to always be able to be there for everyone, all right? Whereas God can't, you can't. That's something you just cannot physically do. We have to be able to commend them to God, knowing that he is going to be able to be there for them way better than we can. And then the second reason is that the reality is they don't need us as much as they need God because he is really what they need in their lives to first be a savior or to save them. And then also to be a Lord or be the one that's leading them through life. Again, two things that we cannot physically emotionally, whatever you want to say, we can't do that. We can try, but there's no way we can do it as well as God. So ultimately, we want to be able to commend them to God because he can do a much better than we job than we can of leading them through life. And knowing that God doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, he wants everyone to repent, according to 2 Peter 3, 9, knowing that, according to John 3, 3 16, he so loved them that he was willing to allow his son to die for them that he's proven how much he loves them along with all of the other good promises of god knowing these things we have absolutely no reason whatsoever not to totally trust god in entrusting or commending people to him knowing he wants even better for them than we ever could all right now sometimes i can struggle with this sometimes i see other brothers and sisters struggling with this we struggle when we see people that we have constantly been trying to pour into that we want to see get saved and they're not getting saved or they don't appear to be saved or people that we love that are are living in sin and it's destroying their lives. Those are hard things to watch, right? And we struggle, rightfully so, because it's hard to watch people that you love hurt themselves. And we know that ultimately God is the answer to their pain. God is the one that can save them from it and he can lead them into good things. So that is understandable, okay? But here's the thing. If you have, if you could be like Paul and say that I've given them the whole truth, I've told them everything they need to know to follow Jesus and live for him, then at that point, there's really nothing else that we can do for them other than entrust them to God. Again, knowing that he loves them and he wants better for them than we ever could. And practically how we do this often is by praying for them which we're going to talk about a little more when we get to that point but what we can't do is make them listen to us right and again this is something that all you parents learned as soon as you had kids you cannot make them listen no matter how hard you try all right we obviously want them to and we give them incentive to do it but at the end of the day they have to make the choice to listen And the enemy will try to put this expectation on you that's unrealistic of somehow it's your responsibility. And you're the one that's blowing it because you're not doing enough or you need to say things better or you're the reason that they're choosing not to listen and follow Jesus or walk in sin. But that's so far from the truth. Your job, my job, 
is simply to point them in the right direction and give them everything they need to to go there and then entrust them or commend them to God and allow them to make that decision to choose to listen, right? And if we don't get that, what that results in is our walks with the Lord and our involvement with other people's lives becoming very discouraging because, again, we're putting this weight on ourselves of making ourselves responsible for something that only God in his word can do. Amen? That's why he commends them to God in his word. Because here's the thing, no matter how great you are or how great I am, it's God that's doing the work. And if you take us out of the picture, if I was to leave this church right today, the work would keep going on. Because it's God that does it. So don't let the enemy put that responsibility on yourself. We've got to be able to commend people to God. Now the second thing, or the twelfth principle in ministry as well that he shares here, is we've got to commend people specifically to the word of God's grace. Or we need to be intentional to tell people about God's grace in anything we're sharing with them regarding Jesus or God in his word. This being a distinction that we need to note because more importantly than what we can do for God is what God has already done for us. Because that is what enables us to do anything for God at all and produces a desire for us to serve him in our lives. And so often I can get this wrong or we can get this wrong as we have this tendency to drift into legalism or like a works mentality basing basing our relationship with God and how we're doing in it off of what we're doing for God. And then when we're ministering to people, that so often can carry into what we're telling them in thinking like how you're doing with God is based off of what they're doing for God. And we totally lose focus on the fact that what matters most is what God has already done for them. And we don't remind them of that. And here's the reality. Before I was ever saved, surely I heard many people tell me that you should believe in God. You should do what God says in the Bible. But I could care less. It didn't change my mind. It didn't change me. It wasn't until somebody took the time to explain the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel. That's what got my attention. It was grace. Just like in that example in the beginning. I saw that God loved me. And I saw that he wanted good things for me. I saw that he cared for me. And nobody had to tell me to do what he said. Because I wanted to know what he said. I wanted to know how to experience his goodness in my life. I wanted him to help me do those things. Exactly what Paul tells us in Romans 2.4. God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Repentance being basically turning from sin, turning from the harmful things, and wanting to turn towards God. It, grace attracts us to God in our lives. And if that worked for me, or if that worked for us, why would it be any different with any other relationship in my life? I fall short of this a lot with my own kids because I can focus on the do this, do that. Read your Bible every day. It's good for you. And that might last for a couple of days, but then they're just going to get bored and angry if they don't understand the whole reason for it. Otherwise, I could, or the, 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 the other option is to spend time reminding them of grace teaching them the good news, making sure they understand the gospel so they understand that God loves them and he died for them so their sins could be paid for and they could be made right with him and that until they know him, 
and they know what he wants for them, they're always going to be discontent. They're never going to be finding what they're looking for. They're leading themselves into harm's way. And God has much better things for them. They'll want to know God if they understand that. They'll want to do what God says. That has to be the forefront of what I'm sharing them with them. Because that's what grace does. It attracts us to God, which builds us up or strengthens our relationship. It keeps us close to him, as verse 32 says. So as such, it needs to be the center of anything we're telling people, even mature believers, all right? I think we can have a tendency to forget about grace or think that, yes, I get that, I understand that, but that's exactly why Jesus said to do communion and do it often. Don't forget the cross. Don't forget why you even have this relationship with me in the first place. Don't forget why you can rely on me for help so that you can walk in the things I tell you. Don't forget these things. Because he knew we'd have a tendency to lose focus of them. But when we remind ourselves of just how much God cares for us, guess what? We care about him in return and you don't really have to make yourself do things for people you care about. Amen? Amen. So... Commend, be able to commend people to God. Be able to, or commend them specifically to the word of his grace. And then Paul goes on and says in verse 33, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul here, he's communicating to them his motive for serving them or the way he lived his life in Ephesus that they were all aware of, how he practically demonstrated his love and his care for the people by the things that he did, the way he carried himself as he worked for a living, basically, so that he could stay and minister to them in his free time. Um, or he served them out of a place of having to make a sacrifice, which he was more than willing to do because he understood that the greater blessing would not come from them serving him or what they did for him, but it would come in what he did for them as unto the Lord. Paul quoting Jesus himself in verse 35 saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Basically, Paul had seen this. He known this, knew this from God's word. But he had seen it proved to be true in his life over and over again that, hey, the greater blessing comes in serving people, not looking to be served by people. And this helped him not be distracted by the monetary gifts, by the earthly rewards. Now, he still had to have money to live just like anyone else. It wasn't that he didn't need it, but that wasn't his treasure. That wasn't what he was focused on. He listened to the words of Jesus in Matthew six nineteen through 21 that said, don't store up treasure here on earth where moss eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So his treasure was in Jesus and serving Jesus. And that allowed him to not be distracted by his desires or his like basically what it allowed for him was to be willing to sacrifice his time sacrifice his 
finances, sacrifice whatever it is that God wanted him to do in order for him to serve him well. Because his focus wasn't caught up in those things. It was in the Lord and the eternal rewards that were coming with the Lord. He was able to serve Jesus sacrificially, just as Jesus served us. And that leads to the 13th principle of ministry or serving Jesus that Paul points out. And that is serving the Lord is first about what you can give rather than what you can get. If we approach church and our church family with a mentality of what can I get from them instead of what would the Lord have me do to bless my brothers and sisters, then we're getting it all wrong. And I point this out because this, that's the world's perspective. What can people do for me? But Christ is countercultural. It's kind of a paradox, right? A lot of what Christ tells us to do, it's like, no, 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 it's not about what people can do for you. It's about what you can do for them. And the first person we look to as the example of that is Christ, right? Because when he came down to this earth, when he lowered himself, Christ, Jesus being God, equal with God, when he lowered himself to come and live as a man, a humility that we can't even understand, and take upon all the sin you and me have ever done upon himself and die a sinner's death, not for anything he deserved, but for everything I deserved, so that our sins could be forgiven and paid for, and through faith in that we could be made right with God and have a relationship with him for all eternity. When Christ did that, that was selfless. There was no focus on self-gain. It was on or self-interest. It was others' interest. It was your interest in mine, my interest, right? And that's the example he's given us to follow. If we want to minister to others well for him, it's got to come from that same place of sacrificial love or be willing to make sacrifices for the sake of others but a sacrifice that i need to remind us makes us joyful and blesses us just as jesus's sacrifice made him joyful because in hebrews 12 2 it tells us because of the joy awaiting him he endured the cross disregarding its shame he was willing to go through what he did that sacrifice because he saw what it would amount in, basically you being saved, you having a relationship with him, that brought him joy, all right? And practically this principle of it blessing me more to give or to serve from a place of sacrifice than to receive always proves to be true in my life. Have you guys experienced this as well? We just had our third birthday birthday for our, our youngest son, Zeke. And a couple of weeks ago, um, I was going through Costco and I had him with me. He was in the cart with me and he saw all the Halloween costumes they have there. And he's at this phase where like, oh, policemen and firemen and all, they're just the world to him. He thinks they're super cool. And he saw this, this fireman outfit and he's like, mine, mine. Like he was super excited about it. So it was like, all right, I'll just put it in the cart, you know, and, and we'll, We'll bring it home and you know i brought it home and i was telling sarah i was like yeah we could just give this to him for his birthday you know like he, he'll really like it and it was so funny because the two weeks leading up to his birthday she hid it in our closet but he found it in there and so he'd go in there and he's like fire 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 my fire my fire you know and i'm like no no like you know not not till your birthday or just like ignore it but even though he knew that that it was there it's like when he opened that on his birthday he was just so filled with joy he was ecstatic and he wanted to put that thing on and it just brought me so jo- so much joy 
to see him filled with so much joy because I love him. And I was just I just want him to be happy. And so to see him be happy, that made me happy. And every time he puts it on since then, it just makes me happy because he's running around his little fireman outfit and pretending to be a fireman and thinks he's so cool. And, and he just loves it. It's just this continuing joy. And that same principle proves to be true in serving others as well. Now, all our service to the Lord in some way or another, it's going to involve sacrifice, all right? It's going to involve sacrificing your time. It might involve sacrificing your finances. It might involve sacrificing your will because at first glance, it's not something you really want to do. You'd rather be doing other things. But if you aren't willing to make the sacrifice, then God is not going to be able to use you the way he wants to but if you truly want to love others as Jesus commands us so they can see God, that's the goal. They, you want God, them to see God and his love through you. Then we're going to follow his example. And we're going to do whatever it takes. Even if it means doing something, like I said, giving something up to bless others so that we can see them happy. And then that in itself is what's going to make you happy as well. And what I've learned in following Jesus for 22 years and i know some of you guys much longer than that but and you probably understand this as well is that through often it's through the things that maybe felt like the biggest sacrifice that i was most blessed in the things that i had absolutely no desire to do or for whatever reason you know becoming a pastor not something that was on my radar not something i felt qualified for just a lot of other better things in my mind that i thought i could do but those are the things where you just get the biggest blessing. Because when it comes down to, again, is God is your perfect father in heaven. And he just wants you to be happy. And he made you. We talked about this uh, previous, on a previous point that God made you some, for something specific. He, you've got a specific call on your life. And we want to be in that because that's where we're going to be most satisfied. And he's going to be most glorified. But at the end of the day, he's just that father in heaven that wants his child to be happy. And even... Though I can be like my kid that thinks I know better than my dad sometimes. He's like, Chris, just listen and you'll see that this is where you will be most joyful. And that's always proven to be true in my life. And that's why it's absolutely always going to be worth it. Whatever you think you're giving up in your service to other people, you're going to get far more in return from God. Amen. Amen. All right. Verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Paul being a great example of somebody who was a man of prayer, who prayed for the people that he ministered to. Paul starting out his letter to the Colossians in Colossians 1, 3, saying, we always pray for you. Then he goes on in Colossians 1, 9, he says, so we have not stopped praying for you. Paul telling us in Ephesians 6, um, Verse 18, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And then pray for me too. And this is the last principle of ministry that I want to point out in this chapter. It's the 14th one, if you can keep in track. And that is commit yourself to pray for people in your life. Pray for your spouses. Pray for your kids. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for those people that you're trying to teach the good news to in your life. But pray, pray, pray. And here's the thing. 
This is something every single one of you can do. There's no magic way to do it. Sometimes we can be intimidated. I don't know how to pray. Yes, you do. Just open your mouth and pray. You're talking to God. And he understands even before we say anything. So even if you think you're saying something badly, God knows what you mean. All right? He's the one person that can always understand you. All right? As much as we want our spouses to and our kids, he'll never let you down. But we can all pray. And here's the thing. It's quite frankly the most effective and powerful thing you could ever do because in effect what you're doing is, God, I need your help. That's what you're doing when you're praying. You are looking to intentionally involve God in your lives and the lives of the people you're praying to, which he's more than willing to do. And he's more or way more capable of actually doing something that matters and helping them than you ever could be, right? As it says in Ephesians 3.20, he's able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And I've seen that prove to be true time and time again in my life where I ask God for something and he's like, oh, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do something even more. And this is how we practically, as I mentioned before when I was talking about commending people to God, this is how we commend or entrust people to God. And knowing that he loves them and he wants the best for them, we confidently in faith ask him to help them know and follow him in their lives and trust God that he's going to answer those prayers, that they're not going to be in vain, whether we see the results we want or not, knowing that as James says in five, uh, James 5 verse 16, the earnest prayer, or like a sincere prayer, if you're sincerely praying, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That's a promise. If you're sincere in your prayers, it's going to have power and it's going to produce wonderful results. Might not be what you're asking for, but again, God will do infinitely more and better than what you're asking. And this is another way we can sacrificially serve others as you have to be willing to give up time in your life to pray. How many of you guys have figured that out? Doesn't happen on its own, right? We have to, as Paul says in Colossians 4, 2, devote ourselves to prayer. And whatever it takes, I would just encourage you, do it. Maybe you need to have a prayer journal. That's what really got me committed to prayer because I saw my wife doing it and I saw all these prayers being answered. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to write just on one side, you know, a date in this prayer. And I'm going to go through this thing every week. And I'm going to kind of just hit these. And then when I see God answer it, I'm going to put the answers on the other side. So two things are accomplished, being accomplished. These things that I want to persistently pray for, I'm being reminded to pray for those things. And then I'm also being reminded of how faithful God is in answering my prayers, which leads me encouraged. It makes me want to pray more, Right? And that's my encouragement, people. I don't know how to pray. Pray. And when you pray, you will see God answer those prayers and you will want to pray more because you'll see, whoa, it really does work. There was somebody recently that was asking my wife like how how she does her prayer journal. And it was pretty cool because like in my mind, it was just God showing off, which he often does because she started writing these these prayers down the journals and she was like, like letting my wife know, the Lord's like answering these prayers. Like right away, she was seeing the answers to prayer. And that just motivates you to pray more. Now, I think sometimes that's just because I can be really quick to pray and I don't take the time to acknowledge it when God prays. So it's for my benefit to write it down and go back over it. So that actually, one of the things that another pastor told me to do a long time ago that I like to do is, I like to put, uh, I have a little sticky note reminder 
on my lamp in, in my desk in my office. And then sometimes I put like something like maybe just like a, a coffee punch card or whatever in my steering wheel um, to remind myself to always thank God for what he did. And that can be anything. Maybe you're just getting out of the car to go to work and you just stick that in there to remind yourself you can get back. Thank you, Lord, for what you did at work today. Or maybe you're going to have a conversation with somebody that you know is going to be hard. Just reminding yourself to acknowledge God answering your prayers. It's so beneficial because so often we'll see God really did answer that prayer. And that makes us want to pray more. And I'm so thankful for the privilege God has given me just in my role because I'm around a lot of people. So I have a lot of people asking me to pray for them. And many of you are either people that I've prayed for before in my prayer journal or I'm praying for right now. And it's such a privilege to see God answer prayers in your life, especially the ones that are you've been really persistent. Just had the privilege of just with the, the faithful people that we've got like a small group that meets Wednesday mornings, which you're all welcome to come to. I know it's, it's early from 630 to 730 at our annex, but we, we pray together and it's usually normal crew that's praying there every week, but such a sweet time. But over the years, um, especially the last couple of years, this has been this real theme of praying for kind of the youth in the community, kind of a burden to see revival amongst the youth at the different schools and stuff. And just a couple of weeks ago, um, we were praying again, something we've prayed before, that there'd be open doors to go into the schools and preach Jesus openly. You know, whether that's through some outreach, whether that's through a club. And lo and behold, a couple days after praying that prayer, I saw somebody advertising that they started a Jesus club at Astoria High School. Like, basically, it's a club that anyone can go and take part in where they're going to, like, share God's word. And I'm just like, praise the Lord. I'm like, this is like I shared it with, like, like people of the prayer group. I'm like, this is what we've been praying for. So prayer works. And when we commit ourselves to prayer, and what I mean, like, Paul, like, when he says when we devote ourselves to prayer, and we actually, like, you know, intentionally whatever that takes join a prayer group have a prayer journal set aside time first thing in the morning because it just gets difficult when we actually do it we see god answer those prayers and it is the most motivating thing and it brings you a lot of joy to see it too it's just that evidence of his glory in your life amen all right so pray for people verse 37 and there was much weeping on the part of all they embraced paul and kissed him being sorrowful, most of all, because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. So Paul says goodbyes. As we talked about earlier, they understand that they're not going to see him again. The Lord had told them that, or told him that, that he wouldn't be coming back. His life was probably going to end soon. And what you see here is this evidence of this relationship they had. This wasn't some superficial relationship. It wasn't just showing up and saying hi to somebody on Sunday. Like they're grieving. They're upset. They're going to miss their friend, their family member. And it's a beautiful picture because this is what we're supposed to look like as God's church. We're more than just coming together on Sunday. We're a family that's going to spend eternity together. And just, you know, again, this is one of those paradoxes are one of those countercultural things like we're not just acquaintances we're supposed to do life and unconditionally love each other and sacrificially serve each other in such a way that it builds a bond with us that the rest of the world sees 
And they're like, those are followers of Jesus. Because that is a love that only God has for people. That only God could be behind. And Paul showed that. Through his service to them, a love was displayed that wasn't natural. The world would say, serve out of selfish motives. Or what suits you. Or if things start to get tough, like they got tough for Paul when the Jewish people started getting get it coming against them, the world would say, bounce, get out of there. Save yourself. Things aren't easy. Just get out of there and do what's easiest for you. But Paul didn't do that. He was willing to sacrifice in his life so that he could lead and feed and protect these believers, desiring only the best for them. And even through adversity, he persevered. He was devoted to them. He wasn't going to leave them. He wasn't willing to abandon them. And it's a great example for us, again, as a church family, of when you're willing to love others unconditionally, when you're willing to serve them sacrificially, you show them the same type of love God has for you. A love that can't be experienced any other way. And it creates a bond with us that you won't have with anyone else other than another believer that has the Holy Spirit inside of them because it's only a love possible through God. And at that point, we'll be like Jesus says in John 13, 34 through 35, where he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. As we agape love. Again, love has been reduced to like a feeling in this world, but that's not the love the Bible talks about. The love the Bible talks about is an unwavering, unconditional choice that you're making to love for better, for worse, through thick and thin. Yep, that person doesn't deserve my love, but I'm going to love them anyways. Just like I didn't deserve God's love, but he loved me anyways. And I'm going to look to God to help me do that. I'm not giving up on him. I'm devoted. Yeah, it's not convenient for me to love. It's not convenient for me to serve him, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to put them above myself, just like Jesus put me above himself. And when you do that, you're different than anything outside of these walls. That can't be found in the world, and that'll stick out. And that is grace, and that attracts people. It attracts other believers to you in your life, because that is God reflecting himself through you, in you. And it'll attract even unbelievers because everyone in this world wants to be loved, whether they admit it or not. And when you're willing to love them as God does for who they are, just as they are, unconditionally accepting them, no one else in this world does that. Amen? That's the church. That's God's family. And it's such a privilege to be a part of it. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. Well, as the worship team comes up here, Again, I just encourage you guys to kind of pray over these things. And just if the Lord has kind of a word for us, you know, like on are these things where they should be in our lives? Do we have people in our lives that we need to come into God? Are we putting a like are there's people that we've ministered to to the best of our abilities? Like like Paul, we can say, man, we've given them the good news. We we brought them up in God's word, yet they're still choosing to rebel And we're carrying this unnecessary weight where really we just need to give them to God and devote ourselves to pray for them. Are we praying for them? 
Lord, there's nothing more I can do. Of course, I'll take any opportunities you give me to pour into them, but I'm going to pray. And I'm going to trust you because I know you love them even more than me and you want the best for them even more than me. So I'm just going to trust you because I know I can. Are we preaching grace first and foremost in our lives? Have we lost sight of grace? Are we kind of just in a, a discouraged place because we're, we're focusing on what we should do or what we shouldn't do when really we just need to go back to what's already been done through us, for us by God so that we come back to that place of understanding how great his love is for us so that we want to stop doing those things that God says are harmful to us, knowing how much he loves us. Is that the message we're conveying to people in our lives that we're trying to share Jesus with? And then also, are we serving God the right way? You know, there's a a mentality in the world that's kind of like a, a consumer mentality of like always kind of going or doing things based off of what's in it for me. How can this benefit me? No, I'm not going to do that if it, if it interferes with what I want to do or if it involves my time. May that not be said of us, guys. We all have that tendency in our flesh. It's there, but we need to fight it because that's not the way of Jesus. That's not the example he's given us. It's not about me. It's about other people. It's about, Lord, do you want me to do this? Because if you want me to do this, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it because I know that I'll be blessed in doing it. Because you said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And having that right mentality will prevent you from missing out on all the blessing God wants to give you in your life through serving others. That we're robbing ourselves of if we have that wrong mentality. And again, if we're not intentional, it's never going to happen on its own. Because it's never going to be convenient. There's never going to be time. There's never going to be the finances. It might not be what you want to do. But if the Lord's telling you to do it, that's all the reason you need. Do it. And let God bless you like he wants to through it. Amen? Amen. So we'll have our prayer team around the room. If you guys need prayer for anything, come up and get prayer. Don't bear burdens on your own. We're to go through this stuff together as a family to lift each other up, to check in on each other, to encourage each other. That's that's what we do. And there's no shame because we all are struggling with these things at different points in our life. We're all works in progress. We all need God's help. That's why we're here. We're all here to intentionally involve God in our lives and ask him to help us. Amen? Amen. We need him to save us every day of our life here on this earth. We need him to help us. So let's pray. Lord God, we do need your help. We acknowledge that. Father, help us show your grace through our lives accurately. Help us sacrificially love and serve each other. Help us pray for one another, Lord. Help us commend people to you. All things that are against our natural tendencies, Lord. Our flesh fights these things, but we know we're not slaves to our flesh anymore. You freed us. And so in the power of your spirit, we can do these things. We couldn't do them without you, but we can now. And we ask you to help us. Because at the end of the day, we just want you to glorify yourself in our lives. We want to see you and experience the blessing you have for us. And we want others to see you so that we can tell them about you and tell them how they can know you as well. So, Lord, speak to each of us now in this.
place in this time as we respond and show us if there's things that we need to confess, if there's things that maybe there's even stuff right now that you're you're telling us, this is something I I want you to do. And I know that you haven't been doing it for selfish reasons, but the Lord's telling you right now, no, you just need to do it because there is a blessing that's going to come from it that I want you to have. But whatever the Lord's speaking, just receive it and let him renew your minds. In Jesus' name, amen.